Candice May Gruber. She is a, a coach, a leading and strategic coach, leadership strategic uh, business consultant, executive coach. She's a trainer. She's a speaker. She has a very unique take on her approach to helping businesses. She has uh, a great story. She had a stroke. Uh, by all accounts, she shouldn't be with us today. But uh, she felt that uh, she feels like you know, God has helped her, and she has a strong spiritual position. While she doesn't push that at all to her clients, it's a really, it's a major, it's the highest point of her life. And uh, the way she approaches business coaching is very unique. Of course, we talk about discipline has a unique take on that as well. About to release a book. Uh, on it as well. You learn about it in the podcast. But again, we talk about management and leadership, which still just fascinates me. What's the difference between the two? Uh, and a lot of a lot of great insight on that. And you know, toxicity in the workplace, emotional intelligence. Really enjoyed my conversation with Candace May. I think you will as well. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Joey Pins. People ask me, how did I lose 130 pounds? The quick answer is always discipline. I started my business, wasn't paying attention to my health, was eating too much, you know, drinking too much sweets. My daughter was born. Next thing I know, I'm pre-diabetic, I have hypertension. I knew something had to change. Discipline. I, like many of you, have faced many challenges in your career, in your family, in your life, in your faith. How did you attack them? How did you approach them? How did you solve them, hopefully? It all had to have some degree of discipline. I'm also asked, how did you found and start a tech business that lasted over 25 years? Discipline. I was committed to it, enjoyed technology, didn't enjoy some aspects of it, but knew it was necessary. Discipline. Our podcast mission, how do we use discipline to better ourselves and society? Join me, please, as I talk to interesting people and discuss how they use discipline in their family and their passion and their careers and how it helped them. Our podcast vision, growth through learning from others. Joey Pins Discipline Conversations. It'll be light and serious. Join us, please. Thank you for consideration. Really appreciate your time today. I, I really enjoyed learning about you. So tell me, what is change management? Oh, change management. You're taking this in a different direction. Well, change management is getting there. people. <laughs> change management is getting people to engage in uh, change, whether that's personal growth, whether it's systems and processes or technology enablement. You can put in a, I have over 20 years of, IT experience and project yeah. management and enterprise system planning, uh, large systems companies run on, uh, working with cross-functional teams. And, and I can tell you, you can put in a beautiful system fully functioning, but if the people are not embracing that new system, it's not going to be a success, right? And the same comes when you're developing character and leadership and, and people. Uh, you can introduce concepts and teach people information, but it's not teaching information. It's absorbing new behaviors. So in getting people to engage in changing their behavior and keeping it sustainable is the focus of what I do. Hmm. And how is the IT industry different from others? 
Well, the IT industry is interesting in and of itself because technology changes so quickly. You know, mm. years ago, it used to take every two years, we'd say every two years, you'll get a new system or new, new, new features of various things. And now then it moved to like quarterly. And now it's like, you know, every six, six weeks or six months, mm. you're getting something new. So in information technology, you're always on the bleeding edge, right? You're always having to adjust. You're always having to change. It's constant. It's not people overall like consistency. They get into their comfort zone. They get into routines. And in IT, it's possible for tech people uh, in the back end, the coders or anybody dealing with the, the back end side to focus on, we can do it. So let's do it. And they change things for the sake of changing them or something really smooth. And it's really mm. critical that the technical side is speaking with the business side to be sure that what technology being implemented is being implemented with business rules that make sense for the business side of the company, for the customers, right? Whether that's internal customers within the company, people in various departments, or whether it's your outside customer who may be buying a product or a service. Very interesting. And so when we used to have, you know, on-premise solutions, like the IT department says, well, we're going to do a major upgrade on the accounting system. This and this is going to be different. And it's going to take us, you know, this amount of weeks, look for this. But now since a lot of the stuff is in the cloud, the updates are done automatically. So all of a sudden you have these new enhancements that you didn't even know about. And you have a little video introducing it, but it's very different now and quicker. So you have to be adaptive. So that layer of comfortability sometimes gets rocked a bit because of the technology. Well, see, that's all how you manage it. It's all about people and processes. Mm. Whether you have in-house IT staff who's doing the on-site premises uh, changes or it's in the cloud, somebody mm. in the cloud is managing that server. Somebody is still managing those changes just as if they were on your premise. They're just not on your premise anymore. So having somebody who's in close communication with that uh, cloud technician or, or vendor providing the service and making sure that the communication is open, that we know what's happening with the changes that are, are rolling out. If you have that person in-house who's key between the business and the business people and processes and the cloud vendor and your customers, that person would let you know the changes are coming and how, what they look like. You wouldn't just show up one day and all of a sudden this function key doesn't work anymore and I have to go about it somewhere else. You would know it's coming and they would be scheduled. Well, to a certain degree, let's uh, like Basecamp. Okay. We use Basecamp for a lot of project management and they just added a slew of enhancements we didn't know anything about and certain things don't work now that they did. And we had no opportunity to say, hold off on that. So I guess you're talking about a solution if it's either local in your IT department or it's in the cloud in their internal cloud uh, platform. But if it's something more global, you know, like a global app like Basecamp, we have no control over that. So you have to, you have the, the beginning of the conversation was, you know, what's different than IT about others? The, the great thing about IT that I love is it changes every day. The bad thing that I hate is that it changes every day. Right. So I use Basecamp also, and I did see some of those new changes yeah. come in. 
So that's the thing. Right. If you're, we're, 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 we're on a consumer side. So it's a smaller scale, right? That a business that is using Basecamp. Uh, software companies who have large companies, customers, uh, they have, they have user groups. Basecamp may have a user group. You may just not be honored to be in that user group. You may reach out to mm. them and say, I want to be in your user group. I want to be the one to tell you what features I want. I want to vote in it. I want to, I want to be the beta tester to test out those new functions because somebody is testing them out. And so then when they get that group uh, approval, uh, they'll roll it out to the world. And so something like Basecamp, yes, you're right. That's not, that's, that's probably smaller smaller firms. If you're a larger firm and you're using Basecamp, I guarantee you they have an internal connection. Yeah, very interesting perspective. Yeah. But even something as large as Salesforce makes updates and doesn't really ask the entire base for it. Certainly they have a community that gives, you know, back and forth. But uh, I I guess my overall point is, so I, I started my technology firm in the 90s. So we, you know, we help a lot of organizations with IT and application development. But it's, um, it's a, I don't know if there's a difference as far as at the management level, like what's different about an IT firm versus a construction company or versus, you know, another type of service-based firm? Is there a big difference between the two? Can, can management roll from one to another? Well, that depends. You've got blue collar work and you've got white collar work and those are very different environments. But even in a blue collar environment, there's usually a white collar segment of the office staff, hmm. right? So uh, the office staff, uh, culture and environment is very different than whether you're in a factory or you're working in a warehouse um, or you're out on a construction site. So you can see the environments are going to change quite differently. So how you manage them obviously is going to adjust accordingly to what your environment is. I worked in a change, a a chain distribution for a plastics uh, company across the United States and um, 44 sites. And so we had blue collar workers who were working in the warehouses, right? Uh, Very much getting those products out. But we had office staff who was coordinating with the manufacturers, uh, bringing in the product, getting it priced uh, into the system. So data entry and all of that operational side. And, you know, we had obviously sales inside, outside salespeople. So you, you have a kind of a mix there. Yeah, most certainly. And so what's the difference between management and leadership? Well, management is, I like to think of management as more of uh, processes and systems. You know, you can manage processes Mm. and systems. But when I see people, people do what people see, right? People need to be influenced and we're influencing people every day. So we should be modeling what what we're uh, uh, guiding people through. So I think people need more leadership than they do management. The challenge is we hmm. still have a lot of people who are stuck in management in a top-down command and control style of a leadership in a white-collar environment that maybe isn't the best approach to leadership. There are areas hmm. where command and, command and control style leadership is necessary, right, for line production and a you know, factory something. Sure. So I'm not throwing that out completely, but I think there's some situational leadership is what I like to call it, right? You adjust your, your style depending on the situation and where you're working and what, what the things are, but there's principles that we follow for leadership. 
so there are, I agree. There are managers who believe that they're leaders, but aren't really. Right. Correct. I agree. And why is that? And why do they think they're leaders? Because they got a title. Hmm. Some people confuse leadership with a title. I have a title. I am now the manager or the supervisor of da da da. And then they think you have to listen to me because I'm the boss. I have a title. And listen, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to write you up. I'm going to give you a bad performance review. I'm going to not give you the vacation time that you want. And so it's, you know, um, that's not, that's not leading. That's manipulation. That's a form of bullying. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes micromanagement. Right. They're like right on top of you. They're not letting you breathe. They're not letting you use your strengths or or anything. So. Yeah. So uh, to that end, um, there may be some leaders in management positions that don't want to do the day to day. They want to be more thought leader and more visionary. I'm sure you've uh, experienced that. Well, a leader would. So be what do you do? A, a leader would be visionary. Needs to be visionary, right? So you've well, got to saying. Go yeah. So you have a manager who wants to be, who wants to be a leader, who wants to be visionary and thought leader, but they're stuck in this management when day to day in standard operating procedures and in what you mentioned before procedures, etc. So what do you do in that case? You mean how do they learn how to be a leader, or how do yeah, they do get you, the opportunity? Yeah. So, well, what would you do if you were if you were coaching a firm that you saw this in? How would you approach them? What would you, what would you do? Well, that's one of the things I do do with my the companies that I yeah. coach in my leadership comprehensive leadership company leadership program. We go in and we look at the management. We build a, a leadership pipeline. It's I think it's very important for any company who wants to grow that they have hmm. a pipeline of leaders who can step up because once you're, you're ready to grow and expand, if you don't have leaders who can come in and take responsibility and lead the other people and have the vision that's necessary with the skill set behind them, that you're going to be stunted. You, you can't, you can't go there until you get somebody who can fill that capacity. So for success, we want to build hmm. internal leadership pipeline. We need to to get to know our staff. We get, need to, to know their strengths and what their weaknesses is. Sometimes we hire people and put them in a job role and it may or may not be their best strengths or it could be a combination of some things that are their strengths and other things are not. Um, I think it's important to uh, align people's strengths with their roles and, and make sure that you've got people in the right positions. That's contrary to a lot of what that that's out there today, right? The, you know, this is job description, just fill it and it doesn't matter. And you, you can't do these and mm. we'll just write you down that you, you need to grow in these areas. And we may or may not give you the training. We'll just keep writing you up that you're not doing a good job, right? So finding your strengths of your employees, knowing them, knowing what their passions are, making sure their values are in alignment with the companies and you're giving them, delegating to them with the ability to stretch them in those areas that need growth right? That, that you, you're going to need to be filled as a, as a manager or a supervisor or a, a corporate executive, I may have, I always will have more responsibility than I can handle on my own. So I have to learn hmm. the ability to delegate and I need to not micromanage my people. I need to allow them the freedom to get the job done because they may surprise me and I, they may do a better job than, than I ever could or thought they would be able to do. Right. And uh, giving them that 
ability to delegate is one way of expanding their skill set and their ability and building in that leadership pipeline. But doing the delegation in such a way that you don't lose control, because when you delegate something, you're not giving away responsibility for it. That responsibility remains with you, that it gets done and it gets done properly. So then there's that fine line of how do you delegate? How do you still keep enough control to make sure it's on target, but not breathe down their back, right? Mm. And so you talk about leading through emotional intelligence. Excuse me. Can you expand on that? Well, emotional intelligence has a a few aspects of it. One is personal regulation, right? Personal awareness, starting with awareness, knowing about yourself, knowing all about uh, what your triggers are and what your greatest fears are and and how um, how you function best and what your best work environment is and how you, uh, what your thinking patterns are and getting rid of the junk in your thinking so that you can uh, Mm. have a stronger baseline with more uh, opportunity to see more opportunities. And when you're get really fine tuned into what you're feeling and what's going on in your body and how your body reacts, because our body's reactions will show up before we consciously realize what we're feeling, unless we become very astute in our self-awareness. And, and then once we're strong in our self-awareness it's managing relationships with others. It's the other side of emotional intelligence, being able to recognize people, um, what's going on with them, identifying communication styles and personality, what their greatest fears might be, understanding uh, what body language is speaking. How do you read body language? Are you re- How many times have you gone into a, a business meeting and had a conversation, thought everybody was on board, they all said, yeah, they all sat there, shook their head, yes, walked out, and then nothing happened. Hmm. And then you get word down the road that Joe's other supervisors said, no, you're not doing that. And then, you know, like what happened? I thought we were all on board in this meeting, right? So being able to really understand the dynamics around you, what's happening in the room, what's being said and what isn't being said. And sometimes what isn't being said is more important than what is being said. And can you, can you see that? Can you pick that up? Are you listening? Are your listening skills responsive and active enough that you're really engaged. Do you recommend DISC or Myers-Briggs? I'm certified to do DISC, but I do the John Maxwell method of DISC. So we actually, beyond the personality and communication styles, we also um, measure seven leadership strengths and, and on the spectrum and kind of see, let make sure people know what their strengths are and that they're working in the right alignment. That's interesting. And that's purely, so it's a leadership spectrum. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, we call it the power disc. <laughs> it's got uh, power, great I've taken disc. Like it, it measures I'm sorry, their ability to influence, right? Their ability to oh, create, yeah. be creative, their ability to, um, maybe they're more detail-oriented and production-focused, Right. Um, uh, how, what is their level of persistence, resilience, right? All of these different aspects are important to make sure people are aligned into the right, right job. If you've got somebody who's not very creative and they're responsible for <laughs> developing uh, new products that you might, they might be uh, wrongly aligned. <laughs> 
So you make everybody take the disc and then only the leaders take the leadership disc exam? Mm-mm. Test? Mm-mm. No, the power disc is built into the disc. Test oh, I see. Exam that we do. Though we have several, we call them impact reports and they, they laser focus. So if we have, we have one that focuses on um, career and growth. So let's say you have somebody who you're really struggling with uh, performance wise. They're not, they're not really doing well and you're trying to figure out how best to serve them. Maybe we have them take this assessment an impact report on career and growth. And we identify what their learning style is, what their perspective thinking style is, what their um, um, learning, thinking, uh, uh, and uh, there's a third one, but they're Acting, different, uh, their values. And, yeah. And what their values are that drive their motivation and so forth. Because sometimes we might have an employee struggling in a job and we don't have the proper training for them. If they're a visual hmm. learner or a kinetic learner or um, by hearing, all of those things will impact how they learn. So I think we have a responsibility as a leader, a supervisor, manager, a company to help our people develop. So knowing what they're, if they're struggling, how can we best serve them? So let's make sure that we've got the material in a fashion that they're, they're getting what they need for the job skills, right? Can you see yeah, you know, when I go back, yeah. absolutely. But the whole concept again, just I've had many managers that thought they were leaders and I've had leaders that thought they were managers. It's just, um, I ha- I've had managers who don't want to be leaders, who love being managers, who love looking at the day to day, who, you know, just enjoy that. Um, and then I've had the other, like I said, so like when you're doing these assessments and you find out that somebody in a leadership role really shouldn't be there, they're more managerial, that almost seems like a demotion to them. It may that's, be. That's a mindset, I think, because whether you're managing mm. people or you're managing system and workflow, those are two very different things. You have to remember when you're managing people, the higher up you go, the more challenges you have with interpersonal skills, right? The more probably you think, oh, the higher I go up into the leadership management team, the less I have to do. Actually, with the higher up you go, the more responsibility you have. And not only for the workflow, but for people in general. And you're going to get a lot more heavy conflict issues brought to your attention, right? And now you have to deal with the people. So those people who think they want to be a leader, but they don't want to deal with people, they don't like people, they don't want to help people figure out how to communicate better or how to collaborate better or how to remove the obstacles that they're facing so that they can get their job done, then they're not a leader. They don't want to be, they shouldn't be in a leadership role. If they don't want to embrace that kind of work, because the higher up you go, the more of that you get, right? Can somebody go, can somebody be a president of a company and not be a leader? Absolutely. It happens all the time. And there's a CEO that's a leader or there's somebody else that's a visionary, but they're not, they're still dealing, they're still managing. Especially if they own the company. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is that healthy for the company? 
Uh, no, not unless they're not unless this person has enough self-awareness developed that they know that they're not a leader in that role and they're willing to hire strong leaders around them who do have those skills. And that would be an augmenting style that I would suggest. So they don't have to lose their position. We just have to figure out what their strengths is, make their they're working in their strength, and then making sure the people who have the skill set that they're lacking are in place to pick it up. That's how we make high performance. You know, I, that's it. Yeah. I always give credit to the, the founders of Google where at a certain point they stepped back and said, we can't, we can't lead this company. And they hired a CEO. I mean, it takes a lot of, I don't know, courage. I mean, to do that, you know, for them to actually step back and that we we're the founders, but this is just beyond our skill set. We need somebody to actually be the CEO. I always give them great credit for that. And rightly so. That that takes a strong character, right? Uh, someone insecure will not do that. They would bring somebody in right. and undermine them. They may bring somebody in to say, I want you to do this, but then they will undermine them, uh, uh, cut their authority anywhere and everywhere they can along the way, which creates a big nightmare and a mess, right? So yeah, uh, yeah the goal is that you're strong enough in your identity, your character, because character goes with leadership, right? In, in our world, we have, we don't, we lack strong leaders. We have a lot of challenges with character. So um, I, one of my big emphasis is character development, right? That is part of leadership. Mm. We need to be strong in, in our character. That takes discipline, right? Certainly. To develop. Are you listening? Are you listening, Facebook? No, it's just a little joke. Um, so when we talk about uh, uh, toxic environments, like yeah. some, you know, you come in as a coach and it may not be apparent. And so it may take a lot of digging to find it. And then once you find it, it's really there. I mean, how do you find it and how do you distinguish it? Toxic? Yeah. Toxicity? Well, toxicity um, in the company. Yeah. yeah. I come in as a leadership and strategic business consultant, uh, a, a corporate trainer, and then I do coaching on top because when we take training and we augment it with coaching, we get an 80% higher retention rate in sustained behavior change. That's significant. Mm. If you just bring in a trainer and they train and that's it, they go away. People might remember the topic for a week, maybe two at most. Ask them later, what did you learn? Ah, but if you've got them, uh, if you've got a coach and you're actually applying the principles that you've taught and they're actually absorbing them, put them to practice, getting feedback on it. it, there's a huge change in behavior. And when we change behaviors, that's, you know, we're changing thought processes, right? Because um, our thoughts drive our behavior. It, absolutely so. So you asked me, what did you ask me? How do I find toxicity? First of all, you can yeah. see. You can see what does toxicity look like. Hmm. First, let's talk about that. We're gonna we're gonna find a lot of a lot of environments have toxicity in them. Uh, a company where they're constantly putting out fires, they're so focused on putting out fires that they can't focus on the business and on the growth. Hmm. They can't get down to the core issues because if they would get to the core issues of the problems, they wouldn't be running around putting out fires anymore. They would put processes in place that would prevent those fires. People can't stay, sustain um, long-term growth in an environment that's constantly focusing on fires all the time. 
we just don't have the capacity. We burn out. Um, what if there's uh, departments working in silos or teams? If they're working in silos and teams, that's probably a sign that there's a lot of toxicity somewhere. Because when people are collaborating together, they're happier, they're engaged, they're, they're feeding information between departments and they're, they're working cohesively to find a higher goal, higher purpose. But when that people get burned and they don't feel appreciated and they are shut down with their ideas and recommendations, they pull away. And when they pull away, they'll start working in silos. And now all of a sudden we might have processes that are coming through and this company doesn't want to talk to, this team doesn't want to talk to that team and we have redundancies where people are, mm. we're going to just do what we want to do. We don't really care what they do. So they get the information and that department A was not giving them what they really needed. So now they have to recreate it and develop what they need before they can pass it off to C. But if we were all collaborating, working together, we would know what A, B, and C need. And, and it would be a, a stream of collaboration all along. Mm. And we would be able to get rid of redundancies. It would be a much smoother and faster environment. It would be more cost effective. So profits go up, but that means you can't have constant conflict. You can't have constant. Um, if you've got, if you've got an executive officer, maybe a financial officer and they've got great numbers, you know, they can produce, they can get all the reports, everything's spot on, but they can't communicate with the other vice presidents. What does that do to a company? If that, mm. if they can't get the numbers to the right person and show them what's going on number wise, you know, we make decisions by, by big numbers, by data, right? We say that analyzed by data. Then, then you've got a problem in, in the company, in the company's growth and sustainability factor, right? You can't go any further if you're, everybody's not pulling in and collaborating properly. If there's a problem in the production line, um, it's going to impact sales. But we've got to be able to communicate very, that. Very true. Now, when you go into these these firms and you, you know, you you recommend sweeping changes like that because you see kind of this toxic or just inadequacies or you know, areas of which they can increase. I mean, it, it's a hard pill to swallow for some of these larger firms. I mean, how do you, how do you face that resistance? That's where change management comes in. We go back to the beginning question. <laughs> mm. First of all, when I come in, I'm not going to come in and say, oh, we got to change everything. Boom. Let's just do that. Because I think the very first thing is to slow down and just observe what's happening. Work with the top leadership one-on-one. -on -one coaching with the top leadership first, get to know them, get to know their personalities, get to know their strengths, observe them, do some team interaction with the senior management, see the dynamics of what's happening with that team. Um, I can pick up a lot. I have some great uh, uh, engaging, interactive, fun games that we play uh, that are actually assessment tools to help me learn a lot about a company and their, their leadership. And then once we, we, we've got all that down, we start leading, getting everybody into some common language and understanding various principles so that we all kind of agree on, on these pieces. And then once we've got all, and in the meantime, we're observing the rest of the things and challenges that are going on in coaching through different issues that might be coming up. And now we can start to begin to expand uh, 
whatever training might need to be into other areas or other teams in the company and make some observations, right? And go in and observe. And then, uh, so when I come in, my goal, if I'm going to really make a difference in a company, it's not like a one-time training. Yes, I can do one-time trainings. But the goal is, you know, a year to three-year contract with them where I'm going in and working with them and really doing some assessments, developing their leadership over time. Growth doesn't happen in a day, right? Growth happens over time. And so it's, it's progressive. Uh, it's a progressive layered learning on top, you know, and making those changes and making sure everything's in alignment with the values and the day-to-day operations and policies that are going through. And then streamlining, because that's, I'm so good at it. I'm so good at uh, re-engineering processes and, and workflow and seeing what the gaps might be. Hmm. Um, you'd be amazed how many mom- companies you can walk into and they have no documentation. They have no procedures. They have no manuals. They don't even know how to begin to get them. Um, so one of the things I'd like to do is, is kind of go through and see what people have and kind of teach them how to capture what we have today. And we need to capture what we have today. And then in that process, they're building skills. They're expanding their knowledge. Uh, they're building a repertoire of tools to help train that leadership pipeline we've talked about. And then we can begin to say, oh, we need to modify this or modify that. And now we're in a position where we know exactly what we have, why we have it this way, how it impacts each other department along the way. And when we have all of that in place, then we can begin to look at how do we want to revamp this? Because we've got to make sure what we change in this department, how it's affecting a department over here. Right. Yeah, we often see like these kind of silos where, you know, sales is here and there's in resentment with operations because once sales completes the job, they throw it over the wall and, you know, uh, onboarding says, you know, we can't, why did they promise this? Because, you know, their, their salary structure is so much different and they're going through a lot and they don't understand. And there's marketing who has resentment too, because sales seems to get a lot of the prosperity and you have these, you know, departments that really there's, there can be a lot of dislike with poor leadership. I'm sure you've seen this often. Yeah. It's terrible. Right. So we go in and we get to, to know everybody. We build communication skills. We build an understanding. I was speaking with, um, somebody in IT uh, want, moving up into uh, leadership management. And so um, explaining the role of a project manager, they work in an agility environment, but still not understanding if they have some key positions that are not filled, right? And that impacts the entire team and it mm. impacts the entire company because some of those key roles, a scrum master or project manager are key roles to keep everybody functioning and moving on target. And when they're missing, there's a huge gap. And now if somebody comes in and says, what are your milestones and what are your, your dates for your project at each step? And why do we need that? We don't have that. Like, we think you're just bullying us. No, <laughs> not about that at all. Let's, let's look at the bigger picture and how all of this rolls together. So some things we take for granted that everybody should know, or we, we know, and because I know everybody knows, but we have to realize, no, everybody doesn't know that. Yeah, it's true. And it's, and oftentimes, I mean, interrupt, oftentimes it's easier to see it from outside view when you're inside it, you don't see it as well, but you know, somebody that comes from the outside and they kind of look at everything at a, at a high level, it's easier to spot those things and, 
from the inside. So you, you um, spirituality is a large part of your life. Uh, congratulations on being an author. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You're very excited about it in your video showing the Amazon page and everything. I am excited. I have a new book coming out, uh, Heaven Within, Restoring Wholeness for Better Leadership. And I have a, uh, a place where you can sign up for it, uh, notifications. I developed a, uh, a companion workbook that I will offer for free when, when the book is released. And then you can um, read the book. And each chapter has a companion workbook page chapter hmm. to practice those principles or do self-reflection and so forth. And there's a hidden bonus in the book, uh, which is a big big gift, huge gift uh, for those who purchase the book and, and read it to um, take them to the next level. Complimentary. Very, very cool. So on the podcast, we talk a lot about discipline. You know, I lost a lot of weight. People ask me how I do it, did it. I say and discipline. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so tell me how discipline affects, you know, your life and your, your work, if it does at all discipline discipline affects everything doesn't it uh i mean let's look at an athlete as an athlete has to work out every day right they have to prepare whether it's for a marathon for the olympics or just you know just because their health if they if they don't have any goals there's nothing to really hold them accountable or keep them motivated um you can sure i i think i think working out is good you know i i want to i want to be around for my kids that's great but it's not really set in a in a in a goal in a in a, in a tangible piece as to what you're going to accomplish hmm. and when we add that element of of something measurable we call them smart goals i have a template i have some bonuses i give away to my clients for project management of various one and one is a nice one on smart goals whether they're you know specific measurable, attainable, uh, realistic, and timely, right? They need to be all five elements. And um, so we see measurement, we see growth, we, we know what we're looking for. We need to be able to visualize an outcome of who we're becoming. And I, I think that happens with character development and spirituality as well. We have um, hmm. um, goals for character development. Character development doesn't happen on its own. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. You have to set spiritual goals. You have to um, put yourself in a position uh, to be stretched, right? I mean, as a spiritual person, a follower of Jesus Christ, um, it's important to me that the Holy Spirit is moving in me and is speaking through me. And uh, to do that, I have to stay in growth with understanding the Bible, what the Bible is telling us. And it's, by the way, it's filled with all kinds of principles. If you want to know the manual to life, the Bible is it. It has all the principles of leadership, all the character qualities you ever want. It tells you exactly how to handle conflict, what to avoid, uh, what to look for. Um, hmm. But we don't enough people, though it's a, the largest selling book in the world, it it's probably the least read, right? Mm. People buy it, set it on their on their shelf, and they don't really open it. But if you stop to think about the amazing stories that are in there, if you like reading, uh, these it's filled with stories that um, you might think are fiction when you go to read them. They're so filled: murder, death, sex, rape. Everything is in there. It's all yeah. it's the whole gamut. Um, romance, uh, everything is in there. How to how to do it all? So. Um, Discipline is very much a big part of, of 
spiritual discipleship. Uh, and, and that is it. What Discipline, what is the root word of discipline? Disciple. And that is to teach, right? To teach and develop. And so the spiritual principles help us develop that core base of character. Um, those active listening skills will be taught when you stretch your character and you really develop. Uh, you're going to realize God gave you two ears so you can listen twice as much as you talk, right? Hmm. Somebody once said, close your mouth when you're in a meeting and breathe through your nose. <laughs> because if you're breathing through your nose, your mouth is shut. <laughs> That's very good. That's very good. Candice May, what, what motivates you? You kind of said it already. Uh, well, my relationship with Jesus Christ is what motivates me uh, mm. to, to uh, my goal is to confront chaos with administrative truth, right? With the Lord's administrative truth, with order. God likes order. He divine made the world. And you notice that there's laws in place in the universe that make sure the sun rises and the sun sets every day. The ocean tides roll in and out. We've got everything's orderly, really. And yet it's also very beautiful in nature. Right. Mm, harmonious. And, yeah. yeah, it's harmonious. And so beauty and function, I think, go together. Some people focus only on beauty. Some people function only on, on function. And I, I like to do both beauty and function. And uh, I like to create warm and welcoming environments. I think that is that is the key phrase, I think. Warm and welcoming environment. Mm. To be a warm and welcoming environment, you have to have a really good attitude, right? You need to be focusing on gratitude. You want to be a leader that can influence people. Who influences you the most? Somebody who's warm and inviting and, and makes you feel good or somebody who's come in and is curt and just bottom line and, you know, nothing, right? So uh, warm and welcoming. Love. I think that's it. I think mm. leading with love is the key. That. <laughs> When the, in the Bible, it tells us, um, you think people say, I don't want to be in Christianity. They have the Ten Commandments. It's all about what you can't do. Well, you can take the Ten Commandments when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and set them on the back burner. Because when Jesus Christ came, he gave us a new covenant. It was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And, and when you get into defining what love is, it's not about the sexual pleasures and all the greed that we put in place in our egotistical ways. It's about treating other people with, with gentleness, with kindness, with respect. It's creating boundaries that are healthy. It's holding each other accountable in positive ways, right? To lift them up, to make them become the best person. It's all about becoming the best. And when when you have a relationship with the Lord, his spirit dwells in you and it it fills you with love to the point that you're just overflowing and that's going to roll out onto other people. That's my passion. How, how much of a wonderful world would it be if we yeah, just had more love? It, it would cure so many things. Do you feel you ever... Uh, lost a client or relationship got short with a client based on your spirituality? No, I don't push my religion or, or faith on anyone, but I am who I am. And mm. I don't hide my, I don't hide my faith. God has done miraculous works in my life. Um, in December 9th, 2020, I had a, a massive stroke. I shouldn't be here today or I should be an invalid, but look at me. You wouldn't notice. No. Uh, I claim complete healing. 
through Jesus Christ for the Holy Spirit and the stripes that Christ bore before the cross. I asked the community, the communion of the Holy Spirit to join with me in that healing. And within hours, um, I was, I was being healed. I lived alone. Uh, it was a process of, um, getting a hold of my kids. I got everybody's voicemail. Um, and then, uh, Finally being said, Lord, what is it if I'm done, you know, that I guess I'm going like I have a choice. But if if I heard you right, that you wanted me to start my business and you wanted me to develop leaders and, and, and do this movement, then I need to be whole. I need to be able to walk, talk, think, speak and, and in full capacity. And um, mm-hmm. I need that from you for a confirmation. And he provided it. He, um, so long story short, um, I was rushed to the hospital, uh, miracle way, um, through a helicopter over and wow. they couldn't get me in. There was no time for anesthesia, anesthesiology to do anything because we didn't have enough time in the window of, of, so they had to go straight into surgery with me. And when I had three broken ribs and a collapsed lung on top of, um, that happened in the course of me realizing I was going to go back to bed. I had been in bed. And a voice woke me up and said, get up, get up. And I was like, I can't get up because your right side's not working. So I had to get the covers off on the left and climb out of bed and grab my phone. Thank goodness it was there. And um, it, it just that alone was amazing. But I was going to go back to bed when I got my voicemail of my kids. I just left my oldest daughter, who's a nurse, a message and said, call me in a couple of hours because something's wrong and I'm just going to go back to bed. And instead of going back to bed, I fell to the right onto the bathtub, heard a large snap, was really hard to breathe. And I realized I was sitting there with my arm stuck behind the bathtub on the floor and I couldn't lift it. I couldn't move at all. So um, by the time I got to the hospital and they did the surgery and the doctor said, can you move your arm? And it moved like a, like a feather and I can move my leg and my toes and everything. Uh, they made room for me. There was no room, but they did make room in a clean ICU. And my daughter was able to stay with me when in the middle of COVID, no one was allowed to stay in the hospital. Wow. God opened so many doors and the doctors and would bring their tarage of students and other doctors with them by the hour checking on me. And I didn't realize, you know, because I'm just coping through the moment, broken ribs, hard to breathe because I had a collapsed lung. And, um, the doctor's just coming in. Can you, can you raise your arms? Can you stick out your tongue? Oh, it's you know, your tongue's still crooked. Her face a little drooped. Oh, she can't move her arms. I couldn't write my name. Um, and they, but then every hour it was improving and getting better and better and better. And they would come in and they go, this is amazing. You're a miracle. This is amazing. And like after the third or fourth time, my daughter looked at me and said, mom, you don't seem to understand what they, what they mean when they say you're a miracle. She says, I'm a neuro nurse and I work with people who have strokes all day and people don't heal like this, mom. You're healing in hours right before our eyes when it takes months for little tiny increments of changes for most people. So that was my confirmation. God is real. God heals today. He's active. He's clear. He's put me on a mission. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, He's given me all the principles. Uh, I am a John Maxwell team member. So I do use some materials from John Maxwell as well as other sources. And of course you get my uniqueness. When you hire me, you get me and you get my enthusiasm. You get my passion. You get my love. 
you get um, uh, all of the uh, the gifts that God's blessed me with in uh, administration and um, change management, workflow processes, reengineering, and helping people grow. A wonderful, wonderful story, Candace May. The world is better uh, with you, and I, I, I love that story. Thank you so much for your time today. I uh, really inspiring, and um, you're helping companies. You're helping, uh, you're helping yourself. You're helping your family. It's really, really inspiring. How can we get in touch with you? Well, my website is CandaceMay.com, and that's C-A-N-D-A-C-E-M-A-E.com. Uh, but if you go to Linktree, have you heard of Linktree? Oh, yeah. Linktree is great because you can list all of your resources there. So I have a Linktree. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Candace May. And if you go there, you'll get access to some free articles that you can download. You'll get my website. You'll get my author page. You'll get this. You'll get an endorsement video with John Maxwell, which is on my website, by the way. Yeah, I watched it. It was really cool. And then uh, we'll also put a link to your your book at Amazon. That's going to be released shortly. Oh, yes. Heaven Within. You definitely want to sign up for that. On the link tree, I've added that link as well. So you can click there and sign up to be notified when the book will be releasing. You don't want to miss that. That's going to be that's going to be an international bestseller. I guarantee it. My publisher guarantees it. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Candace May, thank you so much for your time. You be well. And you're in the, the Los Angeles area? I'm in North San Diego County. Oh, you're in San Diego County. Okay. Yeah. Very south of that. Very nice. Uh, my daughter's at uh, Cal State. Of course, that's way north of you. Um, but if I'm in the area, perhaps we'll all get together, have a cup of coffee. Thank you so much for your time today. I would love that, Joey. Thanks so much. You be well. Glad to be here. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening and or viewing Joey Pinn's Discipline Conversations. Please share this episode with one or two of your friends who you think may benefit from the episode. Our website, www.joeypins.com. There you find lots of resources and you could join our mailing list. Please follow us on all our social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Podcast information, the video version of our podcast is on YouTube. Please subscribe. Audio is on all major podcasting platforms. Please follow them. And if you like it, please consider giving five-star rating. Would really appreciate that. Would you like to financially support the podcast? You can go to our Patreon site. Consider $5, 10 or $20 a month. There's all kind of plans that we have there. There's like a one-time payment. What is this podcast episode worth to you? you be the judge you can go to our paypal account to do that as well thank you again for listening or watching joey pin's discipline conversation